Our scripture lesson for today is once again from Luke's gospel and once again from the fourth chapter. We're picking up where we left off last week. Luke chapter 4, beginning with verse 21. Luke 4, 21. Would you stand as you are able for the reading of the Holy Gospel? Then he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, Is not this Joseph's son? He said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Doctor, cure yourself. And you will say, Do hear also in your hometown the things that we have heard you did at Capernaum. And he said, Truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a severe famine over all the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them except to a widow at Zarephath in Sidon. There were also many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. When they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up, drove him out of the town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built, so that they might hurl him off the cliff. But he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. This is the word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. Going home by a different road has been our theme throughout this season of Epiphany. We've grown accustomed to that expression. We've heard it for the last four weeks. But it really is a bigger deal than it first sounds like, isn't it? On many levels, including the roads that we literally walk on or ride on or drive on week after week after week, those roads become our friends. So why would we choose another road? Why would we take another way when we have something that's comfortable and familiar? It includes a conscious, yet not always easy decision to go home by another road. It involves a word that sometimes we are reluctant to use in church, the C word. It involves change. January the 6th, we examine the story of the wise man who came to visit the Christ child and who went home by another road. And then on January the 13th, we talked about the baptism of Jesus and how in his baptism he put his feet on a service road. And if we are to follow him, our feet must be placed on the same road, sadly to say for many folks, a road less traveled. On January 20th, we talked about interstates and bypasses and back roads and how when we take the interstate or the bypass, we sometimes miss significant features that we need to, um, to think about. The village of Cana, where Jesus changed the water into wine. If we had taken the interstate, we would have missed that. It's a small place on the back roads. Last Sunday, January 27th, we talked about Jesus and the GPS, God's positioning system. The Spirit was Jesus' GPS. It directed him along some roads that took him to the Galilee area and in Galilee to Nazareth and in Nazareth to the synagogue where he often worshipped on the holy day. That same Spirit led him to read from the scroll that was presented to him and he chose, apparently he chose, to read from the book of the prophet Isaiah. These are words that he read. 
Let me refresh your memory, and then they'll lead us into this week for just a moment or two. He said when he, when he um, stood to preach or when he stood to read the scripture, and then he would sit down to teach. But he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then Jesus rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, sat down, and the eyes of everyone in the synagogue and the ears were on Jesus. He said, today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And this picks up where we left off last week. This week we begin with the next sentence of the text. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the words that came from his mouth. They said, isn't this Joseph's boy? We know this kid. We know this young man. At this point, all seems well. Folk are nodding and smiling and kind of whispering to each other, and, and there's a good spirit in the place. But can we really go home again? Even the same roads are liable to look different. Sometimes they're overgrown. Sometimes they've been closed or bulldozed. I remember one of my scoutmasters when I was much younger, Mr. Doug Peace. He was a mechanic for Delta for years and years. Terrific guy. Drove a 56 Chevrolet, and when it was time to go camping, he just pulled the back seat out of it, and we filled the thing up with backpacks and pup tents and all kinds of other stuff that you need to go camping. And then usually two or three of us would pile in the front seat with him. There were no constraints like seat belts or anything like that to interfere with our trip. And we were going on a camping trip, and we came to a road, and it seemed like yesterday, I just remember this, he stopped at the intersection, he looked all around him, and then he said, hmm, somebody move the road. <laughs> That's a creative way of saying, I'm lost. I don't have a clue where I am. We eventually got to the campsite, but it took a while longer. The roads home, they never look the same as we remember them. Some have fallen into disrepair or somebody has moved them. Jesus was home. But the joyous spirit that prevailed in the synagogue when Jesus came home was soon to subside. Is not this Joseph's son? And then Jesus said, doubtless you'll say to me the proverb, Dr. Cure Yourself. And you will say, do here also in your hometown all those things that you did in Capernaum. And he said, truly I tell you, no prophet is without honor except in the prophet's hometown. Doctor, cure yourself. No prophet is without honor except in the prophet's hometown. These proverbs indicate that the people were expecting a demonstration of extraordinary work there in the synagogue in Nazareth like Jesus had been up to in Capernaum. And that wasn't going to happen. The people's proximity and the people's familiarity with the hometown boy tended to be privileges that blinded them. And the problem was really deeper than the familiarity. The people of Nazareth assumed that privilege for themselves. There was a more serious era. 
And that error was that Jesus, and this is in their thinking, Jesus had taken the grace of God and talked about it going to other people outside their circle, outside their community, outside all of those things with which they were familiar. Jesus had moved the grace of God out there. It had always been there, but he was pointing out to them. And Jesus lifted up two Old Testament stories out of the Hebrew scripture we call the Old Testament, stories that the people there should have been familiar with. It was their scripture after all. But goodness, they got hostile. Anger and violence are the last defenses of those who try to cling so much to their own tradition that they can't see other things. Learning what we already know is painfully difficult. And we are at war with ourselves sometimes. And when we are at war with ourselves, we make casualties of those around us, especially those who are trying to speak to us the truth in a spirit of love. And some of that was going on here. Um, for Luke, the tension that erupts here and again and again, it's not between Jesus and Judaism. It's not between the synagogue and the church. It's between Judaism and its own scripture. They didn't understand or they had forgotten or they were not willing to hear the stories of God's grace moving outside of the children of Israel. And one of the foremost representatives of that kind of thinking was somebody we all know. We hear about it in Sunday school. These young folks know. I'm sure we all know the story of Jonah. Jonah is that embodiment. He's a dramatic embodiment of that capacity in all of us, Jew and Christian alike, to be offended by the grace of God to those whom we don't approve. Jonah, whose former addresses included the innards of a big fish, Jonah told God, the reason, Lord, I did not want to preach to the Ninevites, let me explain that to you, Lord, was that I knew you to be a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And I knew, O oh Lord, that if I took your message to them and they responded, you would forgive them and restore them. Lord, I wanted you to squish them like a bug, and there you were just ready to forgive them. You see, he was going to Nineveh, the capital of Assyria. Assyria was the big bad bully on the block and one of Israel's sworn enemies. He didn't want to go. He tried to contain the grace of God. Jesus told two stories. I won't read them, but I would like for you, if you get a chance to go back and reread them, you probably know the stories. First Kings 17, 8 through 16, Elijah the prophet is going deep into the territory of Baal or Baal, one of the gods, little g of that area. And we might remember Jezebel had been in that area. And she's also from Sidon on the Phoenician coast. And it's the story about the little widow woman in, in Zarephath, you remember? There'd been a famine, there'd been a drought. And she was down to just enough meal to make two little cakes of bread and just enough oil. And she said, well, I'll take care of this. I'll feed my son, I'll feed myself, and then we'll die. And then Elijah encouraged her to, to hang on, to trust God. And somehow, 
That barrel that was down that low stayed full, had enough stuff in it to get her and her son through all of these days. And she was not poor before that. Apparently, she lived in a house with a roof. We might say a two-story house. But Elijah took the grace of God to a widow woman in Zarephath of Sidon when there were widows all over Israel who were in the same predicament. And Jesus reminded the people in the synagogue of that story. And they were offended by that. Imagine that. And then the other story, it's in 2 Kings. It's not Elijah, it's Elisha. And it's about a guy named Naaman who had leprosy and uh, was not from Israel, was from Syria, and was healed. And Jesus reminded them of that story. And they were thinking, that's strike too, Jesus. But he was just pulling stuff out of their own scripture. They should have known this stuff. That God's grace is not confined to any one group of people. You mean God's love is not bound by natural boundaries? So many lepers in Israel. Why Naaman? The story moves toward a solution and... uh, It ends with Naaman being cleansed, being healed. And when Jesus reminded of his his congregation of the second story of God's grace being not just for them, oh, goodness, the congregation became a mob. They took him out to the top of the hill. They were going to throw him down on some stones. They could stone people by throwing them against stones or by throwing stones against the people. Either way, it was a painful, horrible way to die. And they were going to destroy Jesus right there, but it was not time. It was not time, and so Jesus slipped away. In the end, because they were not open to the prospect of others sharing in God's bounty and God's deliverance, they missed out on God's bounty and God's deliverance. Jesus couldn't do much more there in his hometown. How much can he do with us? Can we get beyond the boundaries of community and the other boundaries we have erected and understand that the grace of God is for all people. Jesus gets away. He had come into town on a road called excitement. He left on a different road. He left on a road called disappointment. How are we doing with our thoughts and words and actions? Is there an excitement there, a road we've paid for Jesus to come in? Or is there disappointment? Because sometimes we fear God's being just as good to other folk as he is to us, and that's a hard thing sometimes. What road are we traveling? What road are we causing him to travel? Amen.